0: Hi, this is Dr. Hughes again, back with another episode of Covenant Sex. To start out today, there were two uh, little corrections that I wanted to make to previous episodes that I recorded. The last one is just an addition to the home-based, gospel-centered sexual education there's a There's a lot more to this, but one of the things that's been nagging at me over the last twenty four hours little over twenty four hours since I recorded that episode has been this one piece or element that i I think is integral to a home slash gospel based sexual education and that is that healthy sexuality nurturing and cultivating or fostering principles of healthy sexuality becomes a life preserver for individuals and a life preserver for for a couple. I want to speak to the the individual um, on, on this little addition to the last episode. So nurturing these healthy principles of sexuality becomes a life preserver in that it helps to navigate or pull somebody out of troubled waters or move them towards safe harbors. And in that I mean when somebody has a healthy understanding of sexuality and they've nurtured it in the ways that are congruent with their value system that can help them navigate out of relationships to- toxic relationships or relationships that are developing into um, let's say, overly sexualized or relationships that are crossing value-based standards. And if an individual is nurturing these principles of healthy sexuality, they'll be working very actively to have and live a life where their sexuality is a very important part that is expressed and uh, felt and expressed in a way that's congruent with their value system. So if you think back on the, the principles of healthy sexuality that we discussed in the last episode, if an individual is working on those, they will be very astute to circumstances or events that would be counter to nurturing or fostering those healthy principles of sexuality. And those healthy principles then become this life preserver that can navigate, navigate them out of those relationships, this sort of says to them, hey, this isn't in line with what I've been working towards. This isn't in line with what I've been nurturing and fostering over the last you know, couple of decades of my life or the last 15 years of my life whatever whatever it may may be since that individual has been working on these healthy principles of sexuality or this relationship is very in line with those things that I've been nurturing or there's some slight little changes but I can I can make those course corrections and that that life preserver of healthy sexuality can can be a a real life saver in that it it can can help them navigate through those relationships and through their, also through their understanding of their own body, uh, sexual desire or sexual arousal that, that is normal and healthy that comes about for each individual. They, they don't need to run and hide or be scared of sexual arousal or sexual desire. And they can instead have a healthy understanding of what it is what it means what it means within an eternal perspective and how to how to nurture that at the various stage of stages of life and ages that the individual is um is exists it also becomes a a safe har or a life preserver and that it moves them towards a, a safe harbor so once the individual gets married Nurturing these principles of healthy sexuality brings them to the safe harbor of their relationship, brings them closer, helps them to be connected, helps them to be present in their their body and their spirit while they're being sexual with their, their spouse and in a way that is in line with their value system and their gospel understanding and gospel teachings and and then becomes a, a a huge strength for a couple a truly bonding and and welding of the husband and wife and um and becomes a pillar of of their relationship so just to to recap nurturing these healthy principles of sexuality especially gospel-centered principles of sexuality that are being built from before a child can talk all the way up through to the end of their life on this earth then as they're nurturing these healthy principles they become the principles themselves become a life preserver in helping them move towards safe harbors good positive relationships and relationships in which they can in, enjoy the, the entire fulfillment of sexual expression of healthy sexual expression that is in line with their value system and leaves them feeling refreshed and connected and more like a, 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 a God or a goddess. And I say that in a very, very respectful, reverent way within their, their sexual relationship with their spouse and it also becomes a life preserver in that it can help navigate them away from unhealthy relationships, unhealthy circumstances, unhealthy ways of expressing oneself individually. Things like pornography and and masturbation. So I'm going to jump back to my first episode. There uh, I'm sure most people unless they're a therapist, a marriage and family therapist specifically and and very keen on some of the rules and regulations and requirements in graduate school probably would have missed this but um I'm a little bit of a perfectionist so I wanted to go back and and make a few clarifying statements. And and it's been a while since I've been in grad school, so this could could have changed. But in grad school, it is required of the 500 hours, face-to-face clinical hours, that a student gets in MFT, marriage and family therapy, that half of those 250 are relational hours. So there's more than one individual in the room, usually a couple, siblings, family, then post graduation they get marriage and family therapists get an associate license it 's a different designation for the the other disciplines, clinical social workers and clinical mental health counselors. But for Emma, n- neither of those are required to get relational hours, so this is not applicable to them. But where it is applicable to marriage and family therapists or MFTs that have graduated from an accredited graduate school and have an associate license within the state that they're operating, they are required to get a 1,000 face-to-face hours and half of those 1,000 hours, so 500 of those, need to be relational clinical hours, so couples, sibling groups, families partners, whatever. It may be more than one person in the room, re- relational hours. So just a, a little correction to that first podcast. So today, what I'd really like to talk about is a, a therapeutic model that I created. It, it created, excuse me. It's called SAM, S-A-A-M. And it's it stands for Sexual Attentiveness and Accountability Model. So S-A-A-M, Sexual Attentiveness and Accountability Model. And I'm going to go into this in more detail, but just up front, I want to give you uh, just a really um, high up vision or view of this, this model. And this is the model that I've operationalized and I use in my practice at Covenant Sex Therapy, yada, yada, yada. Um so the syst- there are two types of systems in this model that are important to sexuality and sexual uh, the sexual relationship and those are systems within and the systems within are mind body emotions or you could say heart but emotions and spirit mind body emotions and spirit those are all the systems within systems within an individual the systems with without are the dyad or the relationship, the marital relationship, time, society, culture slash friends, religion, safety, context, and family of origin, or those the, the family that one grew up with. This doesn't necessarily have to be mom and dad if the individual was raised by grandparents or maybe lived in a multi-generational household. So systems, systems without relationship, their romantic relationship or dyad, time, society, culture slash friends, religion, safety, context, family of origin. Context is uh, the context in which they live and exist. So, Sam is... Um, Let me let me let me backtrack a little bit um, before I talk in more detail about Sam and those different systems and sort of how to conceptualize one sexuality and how to um, uh, how to work through this model as an individual and as a couple. So, sex therapy from its infancy was a very individualistic narrow minded, narrow view sort of model. It comes from a medical model and there are several different people that are the originators of sex therapy, but uh, what most people tie sex therapy back to are Masters and Johnson, William Masters and, uh, uh, Virginia Johnson. Um, and, and, um, they william masters was a gynecologist and and so it it really he's he's kind of the the head of this and he he in their research and uh intervention uh took obviously a very uh individualistic and and medical uh approach to sexuality and so because the originators and uh, um Uh, Johnson was a social scientist but um, still you can see the uh, the heavily influenced sex therapy um, being heavily influenced by the medical model and an individualistic view. And this is, you know, I'm not saying med- medicine is this way now. It's still more this way than s- social sciences, than psychology and therapy is. But, um, you know, it's come a long ways since that, that time, but it was an individualistic model. And so a lot of the interventions and a lot of the viewpoints and a lot of the, um, there weren't really theories, but sort of theories and uh, thinking about sexuality was very individually focused so any of the the cutting-edge models new models new viewpoints are going to be really systemic in that they incorporate other elements or pieces outside of the individual and when I say an individualistic model I mean the individuals psychology the individuals uh, anatomy the individuals physiology biology you know, that that individualistic viewpoint and the the new you know uh, cutting edge aware good models are are going to be systemic models because we know that that people. Are impacted by way more than just the things that exist within inside of them. They're impacted by culture. They're impacted by relationships. They're impacted by time. They're 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 impacted by society. They're impacted by so many more things than just um, their uh, physiological makeup and medication that they may be on or may not be on. So. Sam, my model is is nested within this cutting edge systemic viewpoint. You can see that um, as as you think of those different systems within, and then in in um and those systems with without. So I want you to to have that in mind when you're thinking about sexuality, because a lot of people that come in and 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 meet at our clinic, they they have gone to medical doctors, which is great. That's awesome. Um, but they're usually their first line of defense is they go to their gynecologist or they go to their urologist or their family practitioner and um, they change their medication or do they do a gynecological exam or a physical. and um, They may do a surgery or get them on antibiotics. And all those things are really relevant. I mean, that's within these cutting-edge models like my model, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the body <clears throat> Excuse me, the body piece, or or part of the systems within, incorporates that that medical view of. The individual being impacted by medicine. The individual being impacted by aging and normal aging processes. The endocrine system or vascular or hormonal systems um, or neurological systems become less effective as we age, and so those are things that are really relevant to to pay attention to. But that's just one of the many parts of of what we need to be aware of. So, uh, from a from my model the systems within the an individual and therefore a couple relationship and that's really what this this um the, one of the the important parts of my model is that it's um it's for improving the individual but ultimately the couple relationship and then ultimately on top of that the couple relationship it, as it's impacted and as, as it's influenced by healthy sexuality um then impacts the the family and in our gospel that's that is key that is foundational that is what it's all about so the mind this is, are things like Rigid thought processes or inflexibility, rigidity that an individual may have, and not being able to to adapt, uh, things like of that nature, uh, depression, anxiety, those those types of things that are uh, not biologically driven, which they could be. They could be um, an individual could struggle with depression or. Potentially anxiety, and it could be a biological or physiological origin. But in the case that it's not, those would fall within the the mind part of the systems within body. I've already mentioned those types of things. the 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 emotions um, of of the individual are are another piece or or element. Um, is this person? Um, more more emotionally driven uh, emotion wears emotions on their sleeves um, more influenced emotionally by relationships events that happen in life um is this individual able to connect well with others you know what the the emotional strength or vulnerabilities of the individual highly influences their sexuality and is one of these systems within spirit is a spirit is um another highly important part of of my model that that actually distinguishes and separates Sam from pretty much any of the other models that are out there. And if you're in the field of of, uh, therapy, of mental health, of psychology, you'll know that most models will say, oh, and we have this spirituality piece. And that's important to take that into account. And that's important to be aware of how how spirituality influences or impacts a couple or an individual but usually the the chapters or the parts of the article or the discussion or the parts of the theory that are related to spirituality are very very small and get touched on very very little and ultimately in practice from what i have seen usually get left off and and are really not factors they're more so just included to say that that we have i have a holistic um model and i i do we do look at spirituality however in in my model it is truly vital and important and weighed just as heavily as all the other systems with within this this spirit piece and incorporating the spirit, being present with one's spirit during sexual expression and connecting the spirit and the body, the spirit and the body being the soul of man. It's so vital and, and important. Uh, just a little aside related to to this and the the spirit and the body being the, the soul of man. Um, I'll give you a, a, an example unrelated to sexuality to kind of help, help distill this point that I'm trying to make all, all the more. So I I teach therapists at BYU. I teach practicum, and so I I teach therapists essentially how to be therapists is what it is. It's practicum. We we talk about theory and intervention and and how to deal with this case or or how to deal with these issues within a certain psychological model. And recently, a student had asked me. Um, I have this individual that struggles with depression and, you know, th- there are some things that they can do, you know, like going and exercise and on and on, all this stuff that they can do. But for some people, you know, I'll, I'll have them go and exercise and they're like, oh, yeah, that that didn't really do that, that much for me. And th- this student um, knows that um about my my model and about my way of thinking and about this whole spirit and the body piece um and this soul piece and how vital and important that is and so they said help me understand a little bit more about that because I'll tell my clients to go and you know it's important to exercise but I don't really know what more to say on top of that that incorporates the spirit how do you include the spirit into into running or in, into going to the gym or go cy- going cycling and um and I and I talked to them about I, I'm an avid uh cyclist, I like to to road bike. And um and I said there are times when I'll go out and I'll jump on my road bike and I'll ride and I'll put in, you know, X amount of miles and it's a good workout, it's a good physical workout, but I I leave that workout not feeling connected to my body, not feeling connected to my soul, not not feeling closer to God not not feeling uplifted. And there are other times when I'll I'll go cycling and it will almost be this spiritual experience. And in those times that I that it is more of like this spiritual connection experience this where the 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 spirit and the body are are close and intertwined, I'm mindful. I'm present. I'm not letting my mind, you know, just Wander off in into La La Land, or just counting the miles until I'm done, or um, you know, thinking about the things that I need to do later that day. I'm really trying to connect with my body, with my spirit. Try to hear what my spirit's trying to tell me. My I may let myself kind of float off into another, you know, a, a um, outside of what I'm doing cycling but it, it's not floating off thinking about all the things that I need to accomplish that day because then I'm not connecting my spirit and my body and and so um, you know I'll, I'll be out there and I'll be cycling and I'll you know be working hard and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to my spirit and what it's trying to say to me and sometimes it's very much integrated into what my body is doing And other times, it's more that my spirit and my body doing somewhat different things kind of come together and help me to have a a cathartic or emotionally laden in a positive, good way, or spiritual or enlightening experience where kind of the, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, you know, touches you and speaks to you and... And for me, that's, uh, you know, that's the, the spirit and the body coming together. That's the soul uh, being nurtured and, and nourished. Um, that may also look like me thinking about the... I, I cycle uh, along the Wasatch Front, and so thinking about the beauty of the earth around me, thinking about this a beautiful orchard that I'm cycling past and it's history and if it could talk what it would say and um and kind of being caught up in that as i'm as i'm cycling past uh, or or through that that orchard and in those experiences it's the spirit and the body it's the soul that's being taken care of and being nurtured and, and nourished and uh and so those are that 's an example of how to intertwine the spirit and and the body, how to bring the spirit into one 's existence one 's life um, and and there are very much so ways of doing that in the sexual relationship and, and this model that I use this it, it, it posits the very importance the 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 necessity to do that. So systems without the dyad, that's the relationship, that's, uh, can I be vulnerable, can I connect, can I feel close, can, um, is there, uh, you know, am I too anxious within my relationship, that I come off as needy, is, and then that, that pushes my spouse away, or do I come off in my relationship as, as avoidant and distancing myself from my spouse or my partner, are there couple issues that need to be resolved, um, is my spouse or my partner 's sexual struggles and lack of ability to to um, to work on their own sexuality is that impacting my sexuality that 's the 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 dyad piece and as i 've said before in other podcasts i I am completely happy answering questions if you want to shoot me out an email and get to know a little bit more about these different systems within and systems without. My email is anthony at covenantsextherapy.com I do want to say I, I am overwhelmed by the acceptance of this this podcast that I've begun. I've only done three episodes, this being my fourth episode and, and there have been several people that have favorited this This podcast, and that have uh, been following along and and listening to the podcast as they develop uh, these new episodes. and I like i said i'm I'm overwhelmed by the the greeting and the welcoming of these people that are out there that are looking to to learn and grow from uh, from this podcast. so i, I this is a, a thank you to all of you that are out there that are that have been listening. Um, Feel free to email me some questions that you have, and I'd be happy to answer those during subsequent podcasts. Okay, let's see. Where do I want to go from here? I did want to talk about um, perfectionism and productive anxiety a little bit. Um, That's something that... Uh, I was able to make work for me somewhat during graduate school. I It's part of the reason why I graduated many months early from a PhD, a pretty rigorous PhD program, uh, was this productive anxiety, but oftentimes perfectionism and um, anxiety are very, very much manifest in the sexual relationship and um, do not allow one to be present or mindful or or enjoy sexual expression because that, that very rigid thinking that's this anxiety that kind of drives and moves and doesn't allow one to just sort of sit and soak in what's happening and be present. So I do have a, um, a number of, of people that I've worked with across time where this, is, this has negatively impacted their, their sexuality and they've needed to learn how to work with this. All right. Um, being introverted, extroverted, those things um, at times will will impact sexuality. You know, extroverts sometimes uh, may have a difficult time being engaged enough within a relationship. Um, you know, they're into so many relationships and activities, and uh, you know, just kind of go go going so much or or talking so much that they don't allow the connection um, to to. Be created in their relationship because their spouse may um, may have a hard time jumping in and, and getting a word in or feeling close and connected and and maybe at times it just feels a little bit more so could feel a little bit more so um, uh, depleted possibly or um, you know that this this other person just kind of spouted off all these ideas and thoughts but they didn't give time and space for me to to offer my insights and my thoughts and and for me to feel connected because I do it in a different way, possibly, than than my spouse that's that's extroverted. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with being extroverted or introverted. Um, The introvert may have a difficult time uh, being beckoned out of their shell and being vulnerable and connecting um, with their spouse or their partner or saying their sexual interests or needs or desires or uh, longings or curiosities. Um, or the extrovert might come off as too over, over um, powering, or too assertive, and that could cause the, the introvert or the less expressive partner um, to kind of go inside themselves and, and hide a little bit. Um, and so there's a delicate dance that, that needs to be done there at times. And, and also just a meta metacommunication, um, just conversations about the process that's happening um, can help alleviate a lot of that. Okay. Let's see. Um, I want to give you a a visual depiction of Sam of this model that I use because I find that really helpful. And I, f- I find that something that's easier for people to Take with them to work on, to to reflect back on, if they have this visual rather than remembering what were all those pieces or elements, what were those things that I needed to 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 be mindful of, um, and it, it just seems more of a jumbled mess at times, at least for me, is being a therapist and learning lots of different syst- uh, excuse me lots of lots of different theories and paradigms. I find it really helpful if there is a visual depiction of those, which usually you do not get. So I wanted to provide that with Sam. So there are two visual depictions with Sam. Um, The first, I want you to imagine that your sexuality is a raft floating along a river. Uh, There are are, um, a few things that our sexuality or our raft comes equipped with and there are a few other things or items that maybe you've deemed important for your sexual journey. Uh, so your raft comes, uh, your raft, and its stock, what it comes with, are those things that you you, you know that you choose to bring with uh, with you with your sexuality with your raft are the systems within. So there, they are the mind, body, emotions, and spirit that is that is your raft and i say uh it comes equipped with because we know that we existed before we were down here on this earth and that we had individual personality characteristics and um you know our spirit is way older than our earthly age um but there and and our and our raft or our, our systems within part of our sexuality Um, is impacted across time. Our body becomes, certain systems become less effective as we age. Our hormonal, our vascular, our neurological systems especially, uh, and those are highly influential in the sexual relationship, those become less effective as we age. Um, our, Our ways of thinking, maybe rigid thinking, possibly becomes a little bit more flexible as time goes on. We nurture a, a, a better relationship ideally with our spirit across time. or maybe our spirit gets dampened or weakened as as we age and as as we move through the, the journey of life. and And so um, you know, if you you're to think of this this raft as the individual or the systems within pieces of your sexuality, you can see how maybe a raft becomes, weathered by the water, weathered by um, uh, the, the land, weathered by rocks in the, in the, in the river, in the stream. And um, sometimes it uh, loses pieces or parts or those get damaged and, and sort of drag and slow the raft down, slow your sexuality down. And other times the water might smooth out the wood um, on, on the, the under part of the raft and help it to move more swiftly and to be able to navigate a little bit better. And the sailor on the, the raft might, uh, adapt with the changes to the raft and find some, some better ways of getting this, um, raft that's been in existence, the sexuality systems within sexuality pieces that have been existence, we find a, a better way to, to make those work together across time. Um, as opposed to when, when this, this individual first, the sailor first started to sail out the sexual, uh, so, excuse me, the, the second sexual man, I can't stop saying sexual. Um, uh, the second visual depiction of Sam is the river. And, um, and, and so I, I want you to think about this river, the river, um, rivers are wide at some points, narrow at others. There might be sandbars, there might be trees protruding or rocks or fallen, uh, timber or lumber, um, along, along the river at certain points. There might be smooth or turbulent waters, fast moving or slow waters, <clears throat> Excuse me, high or low tide. There could be um, a storm off in the distance, uh, down 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 river. There could be clear sky skies. There could be a storm right where you where you're at. Uh, but broadly, the river represents life. Okay, so the river represents life. This is is or this is things like romantic relationships. This is the dyad, time, society, um, culture, friends, religion, safety, context, family of family of origin. These are all the systems without. Um, this is you know your value your value um, uh, your your value system your belief system. Um, you know these are all the systems without the individual and um and these like the raft like the systems within these can adapt and change and be different at one juncture than than another juncture friends change or friends change viewpoints or narratives or messages that they they give to you um your understanding of religion might change your uh relationship with uh with your value system might change Um, maybe you have a deeper, broader understanding, um, your context of, of life shifts, you know, the, maybe you have kids at a young age, um, at one point, and then you have, uh, you're an empty, empty nester at a different point, or you feel like you have more time for your relationship and you're closer to your spouse at one point, and then you feel so pulled with work and church obligations and family at another point that it's, uh, it's difficult to have that romantic relationship that you once had. Uh, these are all the systems without. This is the river. So the raft. So you are the sailor on the raft, the raft is your individual, uh, or excuse me, the systems within parts of your sexuality. The river is the systems without parts of your sexuality. And sometimes there are clear skies, smooth sailing, no timber, or fallen trees or rocks or sandbars in the way. And it's just clear skies and smooth sailing. And, you know, maybe it's a, a, a fast, fast river, um, part of the river and it's a blast, and your your raft and you and the river fill all in, in twine, uh, intertwined and connected, and it's it's you know couldn't be any better. And then maybe there are times when the raft is sort of falling apart. There are some medical issues or there are some spiritual issues or a lack of ability to connect to your emotions or depression is really weighing heavily in your work and your other relationships, your friendship relationships, and the culture in which you're existing are kind of at odds or you're struggling with. And that is the raft sort of kind of falling apart and winds blowing and storms raging and waters being really turbulent and sandbars every 10 feet. Um, And, and that's, you know, that's, that can, that all, both of those can exist very closely together. That's, that's life. That's the way that uh, we, you know, what we're down here experiencing. So I want you to, um, I want you to think for a moment about your raft and you can close your eyes or you can jot this down on the paper or whatever, but I want you to think about your raft, your, your systems within what comes stock in your raft and what you've brought along with you, you include those things that are, um, sex, sex positive and those things that could be sex negative or negatively impact your sexuality or positively impact your sexuality. If that makes sense. So I just want you to, to to write that down or close your eyes. Just think about that. Think about the systems within your mind, body, emotions, and spirit. And and think about this being your raft. Maybe what your raft looks like. How it feels. If you were to take your shoes and socks off and you put your feet on your, your raft, how might the, the wood of your raft feel? What might the sail look like? What might, what might come stock with this raft? I mean, all rafts are different. All systems within are different. And what might you have brought along the way in this, this raft? And then I want you to, when you have a chance to do that, maybe you pause this and, and um, start it back up. I want you to think about your experience of the river, of the systems without, of all those other things in life. Your relationship, society, culture, friends, context, time, religion, family of origin, safety. Maybe there's been past abuse. Or maybe there have been negative messages from your culture or your family of origin concerning sexuality. Or maybe you've gleaned just um, a male-centric view of sexuality from media and from friends or from culture. Or maybe it's been sex positive. Maybe you have a vital, uh, a vibrant um, relationship and connection with your your spouse. Maybe you have those around you that are very sex positive, but you've struggled being open to some of their 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 ways of thinking and and looking at that. And I just want you to think about that for a minute. I'm going to just be silent for a minute. I want you to think about your river, all these systems without. I want you to think for another couple of moments about this pair, the systems within the raft and the systems without the river and how those are working together or maybe they're not really working together very well. Maybe, maybe the sailor's getting his butt kicked, getting her butt kicked, on the raft in the river. Or maybe there are times when it's going well and times when it's not. My guess is, um, it, it, you know, it, it's going to change and vary, just like it does for everyone. But think for a moment about that. All right, so in, in keeping or in line with this idea that uh, life is evolving and changing, so does the river. The river ebbs and flows, it storms and shines, so does life. The, the raft and its, its stock or its load are anything but permanent, permanent as the river acts upon it, as life happens. A newborn baby impacts sexuality. Uh, uh, job loss or job, job gain impacts sexuality. Kids leaving the home impacts sexuality. Depression affects eff- sexuality. Healthy messages that you receive from those that you really trust and you care about from your religious leaders, healthy messages impact sexuality. And I want you to think about uh, how at times along the river, Items get depleted, wear out are or are rejuvenated or improved, and this parallels our journey in life. This is just kind of what it is so with with this with this these two visual depictions or uh, visual um, concepts with within this model of Sam um, there are three other pieces um, and then we'll, we'll, uh, conclude for today, this, this episode, the first piece has, um, are the, the guideposts. These are the guideposts of Sam. And, um, so these guideposts posit that each individual, not, not couple. I mean, it's important for the couple to do these things, but ultimately this rests on the individual and then it rests on the couple and then it impacts the, the family, um, and, and other relationships, but we we got to take this down to its to its core. Um, if the individual, if you can't um, improve or value your sexuality, then no one is going to be able to engender that or foster that for you. You know, people, spouse, family can help, can support, but they will not be able to create that to keep that alive for you. So, these two guideposts are that each individual must be attentive to these systemic elements, to all the systems within and the systems without, and their impact on sexuality, while being individually accountable for one's own sexual health and well-being. So, Sam posits that each individual must be attentive to these systemic elements and be accountable. For one's own sexual sexual health and well being, so um, there there is um, as I as I mentioned one last piece uh, as you're thinking about this the broad understanding of this this model this concept, and um, that is acceptance acceptance that that we are all different. That life circumstances are is different for us all. Someone may have experienced uh, horrific child abuse, or somebody may experience a lot of physical issues, or ail- ailments, or mental or psychological issues, and and um, and it's important for for us to be aware and accept that there are these that there are these differences in experience so this could include things like uh relational injuries limitations in the relationship limitations with one's uh body um inflexible partners uh, uh physical limitations emotional limitations uh needed medication mental or or physical illness and um And so this acceptance component to our model, model, it really helps people to adapt, to um, see that they do not have to be perfect, see that they, you know, their experience and and journey and uh, attentiveness and accountability piece may differ for them than it differs for their, their, uh, maybe their partner that has perfect health or that has, um, you know, Pretty solid mental health. And for them, they may really struggle with mental health. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't work on that, but that just means that they're, they're, um, they have a certain level of acceptance and a certain amount of. Uh, work that they would do that's different than their uh, their partner or their spouse or their friend or family member, and that what they're trying to achieve, their expectations, where they may end up might look very different than it does for for a loved one or a friend or uh, their spouse that um, doesn't have those same things that they need to accept. This could be, you know, somebody that's working very hard on their sexuality, but their spouse or partner is not quite ready to do the same type of work that they're willing to do. And we, we can't, um, one of the things that I see as a, as a big struggle is that, uh, one partner tries to, tries to, um, uh, takes, takes responsibility and accountability, um, to be, to work on um the sexuality in the relationship takes that all upon themselves and the other spouse oftentimes you you see this the the other spouse sort of enables this this um this interactional pattern. So you'll have one spouse that, that really highly values sexuality and they're reading all the books and they're reading the books to their spouse and they're talking, you know, bringing up points of discussion with their spouse. Um, and, uh, they're encouraging them to go to therapy and work on certain things or, uh, try different things. Um, and, and the way that the couple sort of worked it out, um, unwittingly is that, this one spouse is going to caretake the sexual health and the sexuality of the other spouse, and in other uh, other aspects of life, we would call that enabling. We would call that codependency. We would call that in en- emmeshment. We would call that maybe riding on the coattails of a, of another of another's spirituality. Or, Um, and we wouldn't, it would be uh, unhealthy and we wouldn't stand for that. But oftentimes what I see, especially within, um, the, the, this, our culture is I see, I see that happening a lot. And, um, I see that typically with the male being more responsible for the, the, um, the wife's sexuality. Uh, not always. I, I have people on my caseload that I meet with right now where that is not the case. But a lot, a lot of times you see that. And we would not stand for that um, with emotional health and emotional well-being or physical issues. I mean, if if your spouse struggles with something physical, you're not going to be the one that's always calling to make the doctor's appointments and taking their, them there to them and making sure that they get their medication uh, for whatever the medical issue is. I mean, maybe you'd be a support. Maybe you'd drive them... Um, maybe you'd really encourage them, but they need to be individually account- accountable for that. Um, same thing with addiction recovery. I mean they're n- they're never going to recover uh, through their their addiction if if they're expecting their recovery to come from a spouse or partner or, or loved one and And so you know we know that doesn't work and same thing with the sexual relationship. so I'm going to to end today um, with just a, a few important insights. Um, for you as a sailor on this, this journey, on this voyage. Um, so just a couple of things that I want you to, to think about. Your, your raft or sexuality will go down the river of life no matter if you choose to be on it, attentive and accountable or not. I mean life will happen your sexuality exists whether you foster and nurture healthy sexuality or if you ignore it and let it you know fall apart I mean you you your your raft is going down this this river it's going through life either way I sort of support or propose that if it's going to happen you might as well and and you're you're struggling with kind of accepting that and working on it you know, it's going to happen. And so you might as well try to try to make something great of it, try to make something better of it. Um, the, the other, uh, the next thing is choose to be an active and, uh, present sailor on your raft. Um, so at times in life, people choose to be an active, present sailor. Um, and they're doing things to work on their sexuality, to to improve their sexuality, and then other times, maybe even for periods of of years, they allow this to to go by the wayside, and they just kind of let their raft float down the river, and bump into sandbars and trees and rocks, and you know let life and these systems without beat up their their um, systems systems within, and beat up the sailor, and and um, and you know I, I i'm saying let's let's be active and involved let's be let's be present sailors so ask yourself that question what type of sailor will i choose to be a uh, true sailor will be um <clears throat> one one with the raft one with the sea uh, a poor sailor will allow the raft or the river to overcome it I mean, you, you, you hear those stories, I don't think many of us are truly, um, you know, in, in real life sailors nowadays, but you hear those, those stories of long ago of, uh, you know, when, when there were lots of sailors and when that was a way of life for uh, many, many people and, and um, you know, those, those true sailors were, were a part of their raft, they were a part of their river, they were a part of their, their voyage. It was all, all one. And I think, I know that as we do that, we will become, um, we will have healthy sexuality and it will be an integral and, and congruent part of who we are. Uh, the next problematic sexual behavior this uh, is are things like hypersexuality, compulsivity, impulsive sexual behavior, or sexual addiction that the The idea of that is uh, is sort of um, letting the raft take over, letting the the systems within sexuality systems within components or pieces take over and become entangled with the sailor the sailor is is, is uh, so Uh, codependent on those so self-identified with those uh, sexual components uh, within that they they overcome the sailor and it may appear from from too much attention to one's raft or one's one's uh, sexuality and um, so an over identification and losing truly losing oneself and taking on the identity of of the sexuality a lot of times we lose our our sexuality uh, or we lose our sexual identity when we ab- abandon the raft we we'll allow you know this is contrary to the last point with problematic sexual behavior we we lose our sexual identity we abandon our, when we when we abandon our raft and we allow the river to erode away at the raft's integrity and we don't uh, we don 't try to fix it, we don 't try to uh, adapt or uh, we fall into the river or get lost in life to the neglect of our sexuality in our sexuality. Um, the systems within parts of our sexuality just sort of uh, float away or, or just continue to bump into rocks and debris along the uh, rocks and timber or whatever along the way. Sexual desire issues may come from too little attention to the raft. So those that struggle with having much sexual desire um, are probably not working on the systems within parts of, of the raft. And sexual dysfunction can, uh, can come when we let the river take, take over, um, when, we, when we can allow uh, the relationship or work or depression or perfectionism to sort of take over. And we can't be present in a sexual experience because we're so focused on all the things that we need to do, or um, we we do not get up and get out of bed and, and go on a run or eat healthy and instead allow our depression to play tricks on our mind and tell us things to do or not to do that are going to be unproductive and unhealthy for us, and then that erodes away at our sexuality and can lead to sexual dysfunction and i'm not saying that all depression and anxiety is uh, always psychologically derived a lot of times there there are uh, biological components or or an um uh, a collaboration of psychological and biological components we become sexually weak when one spouse takes command of one's raft uh so they you know they They take care, they take over your raft for you, this codependency, this enabling, this enmeshment, or we give our raft, you know, sort of surrender our raft, give that over to our spouse, you know. Hook that up to their raft and just sort of expect that as they're working their, 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 the river and they're nurturing their raft and taking care of the systems within and systems without parts of our, their sexuality, that ours will sort of just follow suit and be taken care of as well, and that they'll jump on our ship and you know our excuse me our raft and and um, take care of that for us. It doesn't work that way. We sell ahead when our partner is not willing to come on the journey. And when we ignore our partner, we need to be really mindful of when it's healthy to be sexually differentiated, when it's healthy for us to allow ourselves to float on ahead and to navigate life's journeys, um, and when, when you're neglecting your fleet. Um, you know, we're a fleet going people. We're a pair bonding people. You know, human beings are. We know that uh, we're pair bonding. And in our, our religion and our value system as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we, we, we know we are a relationship people. And so it's okay for us to to float ahead along the bend and, um, you know, maybe maybe throw some supplies or some stock over to our our. Partner, um, but we and and maybe even it's okay for us to you know throw a rope over and tow them along or tow them over to to safety um, to the side of the river so they can repair their their raft a little bit and then get back on the river. But we don't we don't latch ours to theirs and take them down the the whole river or take them through years of of life um, you know connected to to our 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 raft. Um, so. Uh, it's important to to float at our own pace, but to, to not lose and to not uh, lose your independence. But it's very highly important to remember that we are part of this fleet. So that's that's it for us today. This is just a therapist sitting on an armchair talking about sex. Talk to you soon.